Rebecca Miano, OGW, MBS, first Kenyan female MD and CEO since 1954, with over 30 years multifaceted experience in the energy sector, Pink Energy founder, one of the top 100 women CEOs in Africa by Reset Global People, member of the World Bank Group's Advisory Council on Gender and Development, one of the top 25 movers and shakers in Africa in 2021, as per the African Energy Chamber, Company Secretary of the Year Award winner, African Inspirational Business Leadership Award winner, and many other accomplishments. As the Iron Lady of the Power Sector in Kenya, it is such an honor to have you on the Power Dialogue podcast show. Welcome. You are such a huge inspiration. Thank you, Zedi. You can just call me Rebecca or Madam CEO. It's your choice, but indeed a pleasure to speak to you this morning. I always ask my guests about a story, an experience, a memory that had to do with electricity, maybe lack of it at some point. Do you have any memorable instances touching on power that might have impacted the quality of your life? I grew up where we didn't have electricity. And to be honest, Zedi, I didn't think electricity is for people like us. So I never foresaw that I'll have electricity freely later on in my life. And I finished up to university level with no electricity at home. But when I joined the sector, access became more available in the country and started enjoying electricity. I realized this commodity has a special place in my life. I really envy the young people who have grown with electricity access. They're able to do much more. And my dream is that one day, everybody in this country will have access to electricity from the day they are born and therefore enjoy the benefits from the word go. But at university, when I came to Nairobi, I realized how impactful electricity can be. And Zedi, I was saying, I am just very happy that right now we have a lot more access to electricity in this country when we attain 100% access. Yes. I think it's good news from the most recent energy progress report about Kenya leading in Africa on electricity connection rates. Possibly we'll get there sooner rather than later. Indeed. Madam MD, what made you pursue law? Very interesting question. We did not have career choices or career guidance much yeah. when I was in school, and life was just straightforward. If you did well in the art subjects, you would definitely pursue law. If you did well in sciences, you would pursue medicine. So there I was, very good grades, yeah. and I waited what course the university would take me for, and voilà. was admitted to study law, <laughs> and uh, I decided to be very serious in the yeah. course that I pursued. Simple yeah. as that, Zedi. I came across a story that you told, I think during 2019's International Women's Day, about your experience while you're starting out in your career and about the judge who doubted if you're in the right place. Please tell us that story in part because not so many people know about it and how that affected your career. 
When I graduated from law school, I was then given a job at a law firm and one of the senior partners was not available on this particular day and therefore sent me to court to hold their brief. I went, it was a big case, and I hadn't prepared to be in court on that particular day. So I was dressed randomly. Remember, there's a dress code for lawyers and colors. I had some random blouse that I had picked from the streets. That, but I had to land in court and the judge was not amused. I believe it may have been a joke, but the comment was rather interesting. Yeah. He said that I looked like I was loitering in the streets and got lost and ended up in his chambers. And being new in the profession, knowing I didn't have good clothes, that was really profound and scared me out of legal practice. And I was never comfortable going back to court before a judge. I made a resolve it may be easier for me to join corporate world started looking for a job and ended up in the energy sector but zedi such situations may then be a turning point in your career in as much as it discouraged me little did i know that i was going for better days and better careers ordinarily i should have stayed put and get more determined to get better clothes look yes. more confident look for a lawyer and entrench myself in practice but i thank god that discouragement did not finish me completely gave me more energy but in a different field or a different trajectory Now that you're in the corporate world, what's the intersection between law and engineering? And are there disciplines that are applicable between the two fields? I've been blessed to work in an engineering field. Over time, I appreciate engineering quite a lot. The goodness with engineering is that it is it believes in simplicity and logic. You connect this wire to this wire it generates electricity. Engineering is very precise. It focuses on solutions and outcomes, a product you can see. On the other hand, law is more of problem solving. Mm-hmm critical thinking and avoiding risks or, or knowing how to resolve risks. Mm-hmm. So when you find yourself in an engineering environment and you've done law, it's a very good combination. Mm-hmm. It helps a leader like me while appreciating engineering, bringing in the legal competence, working on those complex contracts, mm-hmm. minimizing the risks then you get success in implementation of the projects also at leadership level when you get an engineering proposal you go through it critically identify all the risks point them out to the engineers and therefore enrich whatever decision is being made i believe today that the skills i have in the legal field have brought a lot of progress in the engineering world and the two disciplines are great that's the beauty of combining all these professions that we have yeah and i often hear you being referred as a legal engineer I think it's apt it's a very good description of your expertise and uh, just juggling both of them and getting the best out of both worlds thank you on mentorship with your very busy schedule do you find time to offer mentorship and uh, what are your thoughts on reverse mentorship my heart desires eddie yes 
would be to mentor people. However, due to exigencies of work, pressure of time, I do not do as much as I would desire. However, occasionally I do mentoring. I've just finished one mentorship program with a lady who approached me and I agreed. I thank God that we afforded 12 sessions Mm -hmm. and we have completed that. So in 2021, I've actually done only one. I did better in 2020, I did two. 2019, I had more time, I also did two. So yes, Zedi, I do it, but not as much as I would like. On reverse mentorship, I am a firm believer in reverse mentorship. And every time I have a conversation, especially younger people, I get a lot of reverse mentorship. I learn a lot from the life situations, what the young people are going through. I always look out for what I am going to learn from that particular interaction. And I am glad that I have very many young people who are friends and whenever time allows and I interact with them, I leave that space or refreshed, more mentored than they probably realize. I believe reverse mentorship and mentorship are both equally important because most of the time, whoever we meet has something or they know something that we don't know. And it's always a good opportunity to learn. And for example, Zedi, what you've taught me in social media and this digital world, I was so looking forward to being able to log in without any assistance. And you, you've you been my mentor in that field. I'm so humbled. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Tell us, how's your typical day like running a leading, profitable, essential service? A top employer by Byte Monday and also as a council member of the World Bank Gender Advisory Group. A typical day for me starts at around 5.30 a.m. when I wake up. Yes. Do my prayer or meditation, a stretching exercise. Of course, then I do the grooming and breakfast and off to work. I am a highly organized planner and every day I start by planning my day. I know what I must achieve no matter what for the day. I know who owes me which assignment, what I owe other people, and I block time and ensure that I do not have a random day. If it is time to clear my desk or read a certain document, I do that. If it's time to process the payments, I do that. If I have a meeting, it's time for meeting, right on time. If it is time to read emails, I will then block the time for emails or for phone calls. So I avoid randomness. And the goodness with that, I find later in the afternoon, I have all the time to look back, to innovate, to daydream, to catch up with friends. And one of the things that is consistent, and you may be a witness, yes, I end my day pretty early. You do. <laughs> If you find me in the office at five, you know I had something urgent that I had to stretch my day. Ordinarily, by two, three o'clock, I feel I have given my best and a fair deal for the day. That's a typical day, and that's how I am able to then participate in a little more other things outside Kenjin. It helps me avoid overwhelm and just do everything with a clear mind and easiness. 
when there are these impromptu meetings and all, how do you schedule them so that you still cover what you have planned out but still attend to the impromptu things that crop up and all? I'll start by saying I do not take impromptu appointments. No matter how, unless it's an emergency, unless it's critical, life-threatening, we will always schedule so that I do not disrupt my day completely. However, you may be called for a critical meeting outside of your schedule. What you do is then accommodate that, but know where to plug in whatever you vacated to accommodate that assignment. For example, if I had planned to, to read something or to prepare a document, and instead of doing that, I'm called for a meeting somewhere, I will go for that meeting, but then squeeze myself a little more to do what I did not achieve in that particular slot, then you don't pile work unnecessarily and ensure your following day is not affected as much. So you recover as quickly as possible. I'm also a list person and I find it very therapeutic to tick things I have done. It's very fulfilling. What lies behind the sustainability of Kenjan as a business? Thank you, Zedi. The Kenjan strategy is anchored on good to great philosophy and also generation to generation. And in as much as we want to move from good to great, if you do not have sustainability, then your endeavor for the generation to generation component will fall flat. And so the sustainability agenda in Kenjan is to ensure business is sustainable and that electricity is available from generation to generation. Also using sustainable modes of generation. That's why you see a big deal for us on the green energy and renewable energy agenda because that is the sustainable mode of business. We don't want to be the kind of company that is there in 2021 or up to 2030, and then it is forgotten. Therefore, we have anchored business sustainability heavily in our strategy. You will find we are now members of the UN Global Compact. We believe in the SDGs. We are big time on the net zero and climate change agenda because we believe that we owe generations to come. Yes. Electricity and affordable, sustainable electricity. In everything we do, especially lately and going forward, we want to look at sustainability. Is this sustainable? Not only for Kenjin, also for the region. If you see the work we are doing in Ethiopia and Djibouti, the desire is sustainability not only of Kenya, but also for the region and the world. <music> 